Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and with my show co-hosts, we'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land for which 3CR transmits to people-powered radio. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that this land was stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. My guest today is Dale, uh, who's a recovering drug user and working with Dadi Munro, Strong Spirit, a specialist Aboriginal family violence service whose vision is to build stronger families and safer communities. <clears throat> so I'd like to welcome Dale to the show. Hi, Dale. Thanks, Bill. How are you going? Very good. Um, Dale, we usually talk about growing up and the things that influenced us and um, the decisions you made that took you in the direction you, you went. Uh, so would you like to start talking off, talking about you know growing up and early family life? Yeah. Um, so I, um, I grew up in the, in the western suburbs of Melbourne and um, uh, I grew up um, pretty well. Um, you know, as, as an Indigenous man, I grew up with a, a lot of advantages that um, a lot of our mob don't get. Um, I had uh, two very hard-working parents who, who did uh, their absolute best for, for our entire family. And, um, you know, so like when I reflect on early childhood stuff, um, you know, like I didn't grow up with um, alcoholic parents or, or drug-using parents or, or, or in any sort of environment that... Um, you know, put me in any danger or was unsafe or anything like that. So it's really difficult to pinpoint, yeah. I guess, where, where where things took a turn. But um, I I did have ADHD, um, and it was pretty pretty severe. And um, I was medicated a, as a child from the age that I um, that I was able to be medicated. I think between the ages of like 11 and you know um, 18 years old. Yeah. Um, and I found it really difficult. Um, I found it difficult in school. Um, I found it difficult to make friends. Uh, I found it difficult to fit in. Um, the only thing probably that, that kept me solid, you know, through childhood years was sport. Right. Um, you know, like uh, my parents spent a lot of time um, getting me involved in, in football, cricket, basketball. It was, um, you know, helpful in, in structure, um, burning energy, uh, all of that sort of stuff. But... Um, um, you know, even with all of that, um, you know, I probably still felt like there was something missing that I still didn't fit in somewhere. And mm. um, and with having um, having difficulty making friends, um, you know, because like, I, I was probably just too full on for people. Yeah, too full on. <laughs> so how did that go in in a sporting team then? If you were too if you were difficult to get on with. Um, I don't know. Like most of the time spent is burning energy. You know, yeah. so. Um, in a sporting team, um, I think most people are going, look at him go. Look how much energy he's got. We can use that, you know, and um, and I did use it, you know. Like, I wasn't a bad footballer um, uh, and I had a lot of energy to burn. But, um, you know, like um, just being able to, I suppose, um, have good relationships outside of that, that sport and, yeah. um, and making friends and everything like that. Like, I was always, I don't know why, but I was always doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, I was always taking things too far, you know, like um, kids have fun and, and let's let, let kids be kids. But if we go and hang out with Dale, Dale's going to take it one step too far. Right. Um, you know, like someone will end up with a rock through their window or, you know, neighbours are coming to bang on the door like, your son did this. And um, so, and I, I, honest, I don't know, um, I really don't know um, why. Yeah. Um, um, and I don't really need to know why. Um, no. I'll, I'll probably never get an answer yeah. to that. But um, essentially, um, you know, when you get into your, your later teen years and uh, you're reaching out for friendships and you finally find some people that accept you and they're like, yeah, come, let's um, 
let's have a drink or you know let's make some yandy and um and that was it that was you know for me that was where it started you know i'm probably like i found my people i found my place i found my purpose somebody finally accepts me and um um and that's sort of where it uh where it all started you know yeah so what go back to family so did you have any brothers or sisters yeah i've got a, an older sister um who's probably a polar opposite to yeah. me um in, in that sense and that's that's why like um you know um don't really know what happened there you know like um uh my sister would um was probably always on a good path and um you know i can't speak for for her journey but you know like um she'd ring mum and dad and let them know you know something's uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable and um this doesn't seem right and um you know um whereas i was probably the the person looking to make make plans and and deceive and and let's go and and get up to the wrong thing you know and um um and you know like but my sister's also been one of my biggest supports um yeah. i'll get emotional yeah. <laughs> uh talking about it she's probably been one of my biggest supports and um and she's still there today you know but mm. um uh so yeah I've, I've got you know got family and um and like i said my my parents did the best they can and um um you know, they might be scratching their head going, you know, what did, what did we do wrong with this one? And I don't think they did anything wrong. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, like um, from a young age, I was different. Mm. It just is what it is. Yeah. So how, how early did you start using drugs and alcohol? Um, I was probably 12 or 13 when I started, you know, nicking beers out of Dad's fridge and, um, and, and enjoying those because... Um, you know, I, I don't know many kids who probably didn't have a, a go at doing that, you no, know, but... No, I think um, you're right there. But when you enjoy it as much as as I did, and um, and then Yandi probably at 14 or 15 um, in, in high school. Um, so what's Yandi? Marijuana. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and once I started, um, you know, smoking that, that was like, I was like, yeah, this is what I need, you know, and that was self-medicating for me. That sort of took over the um, the Ritalin and the Dexamphetamine and the ADHD medication because it slowed me down, and I went, I don't, I don't need the medication. I'll just, mm. I'll just use this. Um, you know, until I was, um, I was into a youth detox by the time I was 19. You know. Um, so how did that come about? Um, the the detox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, concerned parents. Um, they they could see there was an issue, you know, like I was struggling to, um, struggling to not go a day without, you know, um, smoking yandy, and then it started to to cause a problem with with work, um, yeah. you know, relationships at home as well. Um, so you know, like all the the signs were there that there was an issue, but um, you know, like most most young fellas, you know, like, no, I'm okay. Um, I don't have an issue. My only issue is that nobody will leave me alone. If yeah. you just leave me alone, I'll be fine. It's everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, uh, my first experience in, in recovery was young. Um, I, I did a, a detox when I was really, really young in, in a youth setting um, in the western suburbs. And um, and then I went to an NA meeting in, in Footscray. Um, and it scared the shit out of me. Um and I was like, I don't belong here because um, I was only a young fellow smoking marijuana and um, and I went in there and heard some pretty horrifying stories of, of drug addicts and I went, I'm not a drug addict. Yeah, not yet. No, no I, don't, I don't belong here. Um, so, you know, I went out and did um, 10 more years of research before I figured that out. Um, but, um, yeah, that that was sort of my early experience with I think there's, there's a problem here. Um and it sort of went on and off, you know, for for another ten years. It went on and off. If it wasn't, um, if it wasn't drugs, you know, well, alcohol was a drug. But if it wasn't, if it wasn't illicit substances, it was alcohol. Yep. Um, there was always something there, mm. um, and I always had to have something. Um, there weren't many periods of of abstinence from the time I was fifteen up until I was thirty one. You know. Mm. Yeah. So, um, drugs and alcohol affect your relationships. So, how what was that like for you? Um, it was tough. Um, I probably had a few um, few codependent relationships over the years where um, you know I was I was probably reliant on other people just to to get through life. Um, 
know, um, uh, I struggled. Obviously, I struggled to keep work. Um, yep. So I struggled with with work relationships. Um, I struggled with responsibility and accountability, um, and um, and I struggled with friendships. Um, I really struggled to to make meaningful friendships with the right people. Um, you know, so um, most of my friendships and relationships were all about um, what I could gain from the relationship or or what I could get from from them, you know, or or what they could get from me. Um, you know, most of my relationships were centered around using yeah. and drinking. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, and I, I think I had a relationship breakdown. I had to move back into to mum and dad's place and um, I thought, um, what am I going to do, you know? Um, and I, I thought maybe if I get married and, and settle down and um, I might get my head straight, you know? Um, and, and that's what I did, you know? I, I looked for uh, maybe someone who was on a, a, the right path or a different path and... Um, and settle down and get married and have children, and I did. Um, and um, it probably worked okay for a few years, but I drank heavily. Yes. Um, yeah. I drank really heavily. So when did you swap from Yandi to alcohol? What was the What was the reason for that? Um, well, I mean, I think uh, after the um, after the, the the detox as a as a young fella, it was like okay, so dr- drugs are probably going to be okay. a problem for me, but al- alcohol is acceptable. Um, but I never drank alcohol right. I always drank drank until the end. Um, I found it very hard to pull up, and I did that for a lot of years. And um, you know, um, I probably functioned. I functioned for a long, lot of years, as yeah. I know a lot of alcoholics do manage yeah. to do. Um, but, um, it was easier for me. I'm like, all right, well, if I use substances like, um, you know, I, I got onto amphetamine use as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and anytime I got onto amphetamine use, things went downhill very, very quickly. It just, um, it rapidly progressed to, um, to crime or, or, um, you know, getting, getting locked up or anything like that. Um, but if I drank, I could sustain that for a longer period without causing any dramas. So okay. um, that was probably why it was a good substitution for me. Um, and I thought, well, if I'm not using illegal substances and I'm not getting locked up, um, I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's, a good, that's a good theory, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so getting married then, you know, being, being in close proximity to another person and drinking is... It's not an easy thing to do. So how did your wife cope with your drinking? Um, you know, um, I think um, for a little while there it was um, it was okay. Um, yeah. You know, like I wasn't I wasn't a violent drunk. I wasn't an abusive drunk. I mean, every now and then things got out of hand, of course, but um, I wasn't coming home every day and, and smashing the house up and, and stuff like that. So um, I think, I, I, you know, coping with that um, for a while uh, was probably like, um, yeah, it's okay. He's still going to work. Mm. He's still providing for the family. Um, but in the later years, probably in the last, you know, two years um, of of that relationship and it was probably when my daughter was born actually yeah um that drinking increased um and it cost me a job um you know i was i was driving home drunk from work and Mm. um you know like i was knocking off work and and picking up alcohol from from whatever bottle shop i could and by the time i got home i was i was not in a good way Mm. um and then i drink myself to sleep and get up and do it that the whole next day and um i ended up in a pretty bad state of depression um and and that's kind of where um that blew up but um you know like my ex-wife was still supportive like right up to that point um you know it wasn't until i went all right i got i got a problem i got a de- uh, problem with depression i'll go and seek some help um and um 
I got put on antidepressants, and the antidepressants and the alcohol weren't mixing too well. No. Um, because I wasn't honest about my alcohol use. I Strangely went, enough, yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, like, who would have thought an alcoholic couldn't be honest? Um, but I, I wasn't. I wasn't honest about my alcohol use when I went to see the GP. So, you know, I've gone to a psychologist and I've been put on antidepressants and um, the mixture of the two just almost, you know, like um, I was suicidal. I was almost like, this is too hard. Mm. Um, I've had enough. Um, and the only way I knew how to pick myself up was to get off the alcohol and start using something else. And that's what I did. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a rough choice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, look, it, that was, you know, from from the age of, you know, fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. If it wasn't one, it was another. Um, you know, it was a constant uh, cycle of, of of switching. Like, if I use um, new substances, um, things go downhill quick. So I'll switch back to the alcohol, and then when that gets out of control, I'll switch back to the substances and. Um, you know, like that was 15 years of my life. Yeah, 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 not good. Okay, well, listen, we might take a short break. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Welcome back. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR. 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, if you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. Uh, you can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. Today I'm talking with Dale uh, about his work at Daddy Munro and his recovery from drug addiction. Um, so Dale, we, um, we ended up with you talking about sort of swapping between alcohol and marijuana um as as things in your life um changed and you you felt the need so do you want to talk about where your drinking and drug taking took you in your life yeah um so um as um you know anyone in recovery will know that um the illness is progressive and um um and, and it was um you know, progressively getting worse for me, and um, um, eventually, uh, it was crime um, for me. It was, um, you know, stuff that that um, went against everything I valued, um, everything I was taught as a kid, um, um, just to to go and get my next drink or my next drug. Um, the fact that I um, I got myself to a place where I was willing to do anything. Yeah. Um, um, that's when I think I really started to, to cross the boundaries of, um, hey, I'm no longer okay, um, not by any means. And, um, you know, so um, uh, for me, it, it, it took me to um, the, the cold floor of a jail cell, um, you know, um, which, um, you know, a lot of shame. Um, yeah. Uh, especially with the um, uh, the upbringing and, and the family that I've got, you know, like to me that was like this is this isn't right. Like I know better than this. Um, so I, um, you know, like I think for the first time, um, for the first time in my life, I put my hand up and actually said, oh, I think I might need some help. <laughs> um, you know, everyone had been telling me for years. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think I think you got a problem. I think you got a problem. Um, you know, and um. You know, a little bit of step one, I guess. You know, I finally admitted I, I have a problem. <laughs> um, can I get some help? And, you know, so, um, you know, really grateful that, um, you know, like I still had family really doing everything they could to help me. Um, and um, and my father reached out to an uncle of mine um, who's Indigenous and 
um, has probably known for a while that um, there's a few things that, that I could have done to help get me back on track. A um, bit of reconnection with um, with culture, with, with identity, um, and of course, some recovery. Um, mm. So... Um, you know, like eventually, that's that's where it led me. It, it led me to f- um, finally being able to to admit that I'm I'm in a bit of a bit of a pickle and I need some help because um, mm. I can't do it on my own. You know, um, which is what I tried to do for ages. You know. Yeah. Um, but that that's what everybody does. Yeah. I mean, so the al- alcohol and the drugs are, are just a coping mechanism. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, obviously. Um, Cool. I've, I've reached a point where I think I've realised I've got a problem with alcohol and drugs. Um, well, with drugs, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, alcohol's a drug, yeah. Um, and if it wasn't uh, alcohol, it's something else. So I have a problem with drugs. Um, you know, so it finally got me to a point where I was able to admit that. And, um, you know, that obviously gets you to a point where you're willing to accept some help, maybe even listen to people for the first time in my life. Mm. Um, cause I wasn't doing that either. Um, you know, I was in that, um, that selfish, that self-centered, if every if you guys would all just leave me alone, yeah, I'll be fine. Everything yeah. will be fine. Yeah. The only issue here is that no one will leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, delusional, absolutely delusional. Yeah. Um, so look, um, you know, the, the, the progressiveness of, um, of the illness and, uh, and of the addiction, um, you know, uh, got me to a point of, um, surrender yeah like mm. I need help I wave that white flag I'm not going to keep fighting it anymore because it's only hurting me and everyone else around me um, you know show me what I need to do because what I'm doing is not working um, so yeah. yeah so how did the uh, getting in touch with your culture help you um, so at the age of 31 uh, I was when I um, when I said I need help um and if you had to said at at that point in time, um, Dale, who are you? I couldn't have answered you. Mm. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could have given you was that I'm a 31 year old drug addict who hasn't really, who hasn't really um, achieved anything in his life, which is not true. I mean, I've I've done some some okay things over the years, but yeah. you know, like what what do mm. I stand for? What's my purpose? Mm. Um, who am I? Um, and I couldn't answer it. I didn't know who I was. Um, you know, I was living a life I wasn't happy with. I was depressed. I didn't enjoy my job. I was unhappy in my marriage. Um, I had a beautiful little two-year-old girl who I struggled to just spend time with um, because all I could do was drink, you know, so I didn't know who I was. Um, so when my uncle come and sat me down and said, um, you need to find a bit of identity, brother, you know, mm. um, and, and when I decided to go down that road... Um, you know, like mum, mum had offered me the path of getting to know who I was, who our family was, yeah. where our roots were and our connection. Um, but I wasn't in the right state of mind to hear it or, or to connect to it. Mm. Um, so when I did decide that, um, all right, I'm going to look into this and, and, and connect back into some roots and some identity, um, you know, mum gave me a whole bunch of information like, yeah, this is our family. This is where we're from. This is what, you know. These are our connections to our culture, and um, so I went to Galliamble, um, and um, had some really, really deadly Aboriginal workers sort of sit with me and, and go through that that cultural connection, and uh, and then start participating in some cultural activities and and stuff like that, and um, you know I started doing some artwork, um, you know I'd never painted before in my life, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, I wasn't wasn't too bad at it. I figured out, <laughs> um, which which uh, you know, uh, to a lot of Indigenous people, um, yeah, we're not surprised. That's that's ingrained in our DNA. Yeah, we are creative, um, creative people. We have that gene, you know, whether it be by painting, whether it be mm. by any any means. We are an extremely creative. And I and I sort of said, who knew? And um, I remember Mum said to me, we knew. Yeah. You always had that creative gene. We just couldn't get you to sit still long enough to do anything about it. Um, so that, that that connection to to the culture and um, um, you know um, being around like-minded people and being around some strong elders um, mm. um, kind of just helped sort of ground me. And um, 
I remember doing a group at, at Galley Amble and, um, you know, we're doing a, a men's group and, and the stick came to me and, like, for the first time in my life, I was able to actually say, well, my name's Dale. I'm a Gungri man and I'm proud, you know. Um, I'd never said that in my life and mm. uh, I reckon that was a real real turning point for me that I actually went, oh, well, this is who I am, mm. you know. Um, and... Um, uh, it kind of then I'm I really sort of invested, um, invested in my change, invested in um, in doing better um, and wanting better for myself. Um, you know, because I'd been selfish in so many other ways, but um, you know, this was sort of a time where I went, um, you know, maybe I need to be a little bit selfish. In it's time to get myself right. It's mm-hmm. time to fix myself up so I can be a a good dad. You know, I can be a good son. I can be a good brother. Um, and I can be a, a good member of society, which I just wasn't wasn't being, you know. Um, so did Gally Amble introduce you to 12-step work? Yeah. 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 Um, like I said, I'd had that early experience with yeah. with 12-step recovery that kind of scared me away. Um, you know, you, you walk in there and you've got God on the walls and, um, and, 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 and progressed addicts talking about their using story that I just mm. wasn't identifying with at that stage. But... Mm. Um, I remember my very first meeting uh, that I went to for 12-step recovery um, was my second night at Galliamble, and um, there were these two fellas who were celebrating a 12-month clean anniversary on that night on my first mm. meeting, and um, yeah, 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 and uh, they um, they just had a glow about them. Yeah. A real glow about them, and they had family there, and they had friends there, and everyone was like congratulating them, like so proud of you, and everything like that. And I remember just sort of going, I want that. Yep, <laughs> it looks good, doesn't it? I want that. Yeah, um, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, Gally Amber was my, my introduction into 12 step recovery, absolutely. Yeah. So, how did 12 step change your attitude? Um, I think it. I reckon it changed my attitude in the way that um, I was able to sit down with somebody who had walked a path before me. Mm. Um, you know, like when you're carrying a lot of shame about the things that you've done and all that sort of stuff and you're thinking nobody else understands, I'm on my own and everything like that. Um, I think when you get into like 12-step and you're, you're surrounded by people who have all done it there before, they've all been through the same stuff and that you're actually not alone, you're mm. not unique you know like there's a lot of other people out there going through this exact same problem Mm. um you know like sort of a different realization like i remember when i was younger oh yeah i finally found my people place where i fit in you know but for the wrong reasons yeah and this time it was like i think i actually have found my people (laughs) (laughs) i found a place where i fit in there are people out there like me you know because for years i was like none of you understand you don't understand how i'm feeling or, or how hard it is to not do this, to not to not have a drink or to not use a drug. Mm. Um, so I think that's what, what the recovery did, mm. the 12-step recovery did for me, is that um, everyone in there had walked that path um, and was going through the same thing um, and was actually there to help me. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not want something from me or, or take yeah. something from me or, yeah. or ask me to give them something. It was, yeah. you know... Hey, I'll take you out to lunch and um, we'll have a chat about recovery, but I want nothing in return, you know. Yeah. Like, what's this? Yeah, yeah. We had a an uh, an NA guy on the program a year or so ago, and he said in his first NA meeting, it was the first time he'd sat with a group of addicts who hadn't tried to take advantage of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's a bit of a spin out, yeah. Like, um, yeah. You know, sometimes, and it gets mentioned, you know, sometimes you're sitting in a room going, who would have thought, you know, like, there's 25 drug addicts in this room, Yeah. you know. Most people would freak out if they had that many pe- drug addicts in one, one place, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's extremely powerful, you know, um, mm. that they're all there for one recovery, reason, yeah. one yeah. reason, yeah. you know. Yeah. So how did it help you? What what sort of changed? Um. A little bit of, for myself, um, a little bit of um, a little bit of humility, 
um, you know. Um, the the 12-step stuff um, was able to get me to sort of see my behaviour, um, you know, which I was never able to see. Um, you know, it was always everybody else thought, it was your fault, your fault, your fault. And, um, you know, um, because I'd gotten to a point where I was able to put my hand up and say, all right, I need help, tell me what to do. All right, it's time to look inside. It's time to look at the problem. Um, and it sort of got me to see my patterns of behaviour, mm. um, you know, regardless of what other people have done to me, this is my behaviour. Yeah. And take it out of my head because my head will twist it and justify it and rationalise it and turn it into their fault. Mm. That's what my head does, yeah? Yeah. Um, so to get it all out and, and actually see, holy, you know, um, I, I haven't been... I haven't been a nice person. Mm. <laughs> I have not been a nice person. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard. It's a, it's a bit of pill to swallow. But um, when you can sort of see how you've been behaving, um, you know, depending on what you actually value in your life, and you can say, oh, wow, I haven't been behaving, you know, in any way in service to all the things that I value in my life. Mm. Um, that needs to change. Um, and that can that, that really motivated me to want to change it, to want to be a better person, you know. Um, one of the, the biggest things for me was I struggled with being honest. Um, I don't know what it was. Um, you know, uh, fear of getting in trouble, fear of being disliked. It was all fear-based, mm. extremely fear-based. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really had a hard time being honest. Um, and 12-step recovery gave me a safe environment to start to to be able to be honest with other people and myself. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think that's where the change started for me um, is that, you know, everything else was I felt was punitive. Yeah. If I yeah. was honest, I was getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've got another song up. Uh, this one's called My Island Home by Christine Arnu, and I'm pretty sure it is Christine Arnu.
Have you experienced or seen racism against blackfellas? Report racism against First Nations people with Call It Out, an online register to expose racism. Stand up, be heard, call it out. Go to callitout.com.au. A 3CR supporter. A proud black man. Proud black man, you should not wonder. Strong spirit. First Nations issues. Families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud black man. Proud black man, you should not wonder. Ah, welcome back. Uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au. And today I'm talking with Dale and talking about his work at Daddy Munmoro and his recovery from drug addiction. Um, so to start off, Dale, um, in your recovery, you've been through a few places yeah. that helped you. Yep. Um, so do you want to talk about... Um, the places you went through and and the sort of support you got. Yeah. So um, from my time in uh, in Galliamble as a as a client, um, and then you know starting the twelve um, step recovery, it was um, it was pretty clear to me that um, that I needed to give back. That I was um, I was being helped um, unconditionally. Um, and that uh, doing that sort of drill is um, is probably what what needs to happen. And um, um, and when I looked at the the values that that I held dear to me and um, and how I wanted to live my life, that helping other people was was something I really wanted to do. Um, so not long out of um, completing the Galliamble program, I think I was only about um, six months clean at the time. Uh, I went back to school. Um, I left my trade. I was a, a, a fridgy by trade. I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to get out of the trade industry. And I went and got my diploma in community services. And um, uh, and I did my student placement for that course uh, back at Galliamble. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> um, the the manager at Galliamble at the time um, uh, was a, a massive support uh, for me. Uh, still is today. Um He's a, a massive uh, a mentor for me, and um, and he helped me sort of work that work that journey. And um, so I ended up working at Galliamble for about 12 months, and um, you know did my my student placement there, and um, um, and started helping other fellas, helping other Aboriginal men on on their recovery journey. And um, and then from there, I um, I got offered some work, um, you know, like doing. Uh, doing some other work through through VACA uh, with with an uncle of mine, um, Uncle Kev, who doing some um, uh, prison work, um, doing an Aboriginal men's healing program in prison, um, and I got the opportunity to to do that, um, and I really enjoyed that that work, um, and um, that's sort of got me following on to to what I'm doing now, um, working at Darty. Um, Again, helping Aboriginal men. Um, you know, like the, I think that's the key for me is that um, I was shown that support. Um, you know, while I was at, at Galliamble, I, I did a Dadi Monwaro camp, and um, that was a men's healing camp, and it's yeah. it's Aboriginal men healing other Aboriginal men, um, and it's hard to explain, but the the cultural power in that, um, yeah, I, I I can't explain it. You can't. It's not something you can get anywhere else, and um, um, and that you know that healing uh, journey that I went on, um, I felt was really important for me to help others, you know, carry on that, and um, so that leads me to you know the work that I'm doing today at Dardy, which is the Men's Healing Behaviour Change Program. Yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about that and uh, what the aim is? So um, you know the aim at Dardy obviously is. Um, building stronger families and, and safer communities. And, um, you know, it's it's for men who are struggling with um, family violence issues and um, and, and are looking at behaviour change themselves. And, um, you know, so Daddy has a, a, a really strong model and it's a cultural model about building strong men, warrior men, um, you know, um, uh, removing us from that, um, the... the 
toxic, I guess, Western masculinity that society yeah, expects yeah, men to be. Yeah. Um, um, and, and bringing it back to, you know, um, our cultural side of things, which is being a strong protective warrior for our families, not hurting our families, um, that we do provide and protect, um, you know. And and Daddy, um, Daddy does a really great job in that, and, and I love the work that we do there. And, um, you know, obviously one of the biggest aspects of Daddy's behavior change program different to mainstream behavior change programs is the h it's the healing okay yeah, yeah. it's men's healing and behavior change yeah. program and, yeah. and we honestly believe that men need to heal first um before they can start taking behavior change yeah we need to heal from the things that are the holding us back and 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 heal from the traumas that are causing us to act the way we do mm. um so yeah, that's and that's also why I love you know like I've done. Daddy's been a big part of my own healing journey, um, you know. So that's that's me giving back as well there. That you know, the work that um, that Alan does at at Daddy's um, is brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, good. Um, so do you want to talk a bit about um, I guess the impact of your recovery and your ability to give back in that way? Yeah. You know that what's What's your recovery done for you that, I guess, inspires you to want to help others? What is it that's... Um, I think um, what it's done for me is being able to, to, to give me um, the experience, to give me the... Um, um, you know, because that's essentially all I've got. Not all I've got, but what I've got to offer these men is the experience is a lived experience um, and um, sometimes I think um, my recovery has given me that to offer that I can say well this is this is what I've done I've been where you've been um, I've been to jail um, I've been through the, the the court system I've been through drug and alcohol addiction I can offer you an experience on what worked for me um, if, if you're willing to give it a go you know and um, I think that's what our fellows need um, you know, they they keep getting told what they're doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 everyone out there in society will be happy to tell these fellows what they're doing wrong. Mm. It's um, quite obvious what they're doing wrong. Yeah. yeah. But the problem but, is a different thing. Yeah. But who's there to help them? Help show them what's right. Mm. Um, you know. And what's possible. And yeah. what's possible yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I, I suppose I look at where I'm at today. Um, I, I have a good relationship with my ex-wife. I see my daughter. Um, I'm I, th- I hope I, I believe I'm I'm a good son now. Like I can be there for my family. Um, I'm accountable. I'm responsible, um, and I feel like I lead by example in what I'm trying to teach the fellas. Um, you know what's possible, what's out there, um, and that we need more strong Aboriginal men being role models in our community. Um, and if we might not have had that role model, some of these fellows yeah, haven't. Yeah. But you can be that role model. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Um, so, what what's the success like for you? Do you get a, a good feeling about the I guess the not so much the the pace of change, but the ability to change? I think everyone has the ability to change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all will change at their own pace. I mean, I did mine at my pace. Um, you know, there are miracles out there that come into recovery and, and get it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and then there are, are people who, um, you know, in my experience, there are fellas out there where you go, this guy's not going to make it. Yeah, he's not going to make it. And he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's... Um, you just never know with people, and, and, and sometimes people can get it slowly. Um, sometimes people can get it straight away. Um, but, you know, the way that I see change, a lot of people look at, um, you know, relapse and, and stuff like that as, as failure. Um, the way that I see it is that if you're still trying, yeah, you haven't, you haven't yeah. failed. Mm. Yeah. Mistakes happen. I still make mistakes, you know. I come into to recovery to, to get well. Not to get perfect. Nobody's perfect, yeah. um, you know. So, um, you know, sometimes we're um, conditioned by society not to make mistakes, and um, that's just not reality. 
You're mm. going to make mistakes. It's are we going to grow? Are we going to learn? And are we going to have another go at it? And you know, these are just some of the skills that um, we can hope to teach teach fellows at, at Darty that um, mm. you know, it's there's no magic pill. Yeah. If there was a magic pill, trust me, I would have taken it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if there was a magic pill, there wouldn't be any AA meetings or NA no, meetings no. or anything. There'd yeah. be, there'd be yeah. no addiction. There'd yeah. be no, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen <laughs> yet, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. Um, so do you get to see the uh, successes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I, I work with a few of them. Right. Um, okay. You know, yeah. like there's, there's some great success stories. Yeah. Dali Manwara, you know, like um, we've got um, – some of our um, regional groups and facilitators are are Dardy Manwaro stories. Um, yep. There are men that are going back to their communities and 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 raising kids and and doing real deadly, you know. And um, you know, there are men that that go and um, and make mistakes and come back in and and try again. That to me is a, a success. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, that didn't work for me. I'm going to give it another go. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, being able to offer these guys a um, a chance um, when everyone else has sort of given up on them, um, that's that's success. But um, there's some really really strong men out there um, that uh, would probably look back and say, "I'm so glad I did Darty." You know, um, it's a uh, cult- the cultural environment and the um, and the model of um, let's bring it back to being strong, proud Aboriginal men and looking after our titters and and, and our family and our kids, um, you know that's that's what it's all about. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of um, plenty of success, success stories out there, um, and seeing it, um, you know, like when you hear, hey, the fella coming to get a job at Darty, and 12 months ago he was a client. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that, you just go, wow, you know, yeah. this is why we do what we do. Yeah. 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 Um, more strong men. Yep. So what other work does does Daddy do? Um, we've expanded a lot over the last um, over the last few years, you know, like um, the focus obviously is, is men's family violence, but um, Daddy's expanded. We've got um, a women's healing program now. There's AOD programs, there's youth programs. Um We've got uh, employment pathway opportunities. There's, um, you know, a new, I think there's a new family, uh, family orientated service coming in uh, as well. Um, so, you know, like obviously the goal at Darty um, is to not be, not turn anybody away. Yeah, strong communities. Yeah. 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 You know, if there's a need in the community, we want to be able to provide it. Yes. Um, yeah. Not just say, hey, we only focus on this. So, you know, um, we don't want to turn anyone away who needs help. We'd like to be able to offer that support. Yeah. Um, and I reckon that's what makes Dardy so great is that if mm. there's a need and we see a need for it, um, we do it. Mm. So more about the work you do then. Um, so it's uh, what do you call residential um, services. Yep. So so what's the usual stay time? So it's a four month program. Okay. Um, yeah. It's um, yeah, 16 weeks. Um, could be less, could be more. Um, again, case by case base, depending on the needs of the man. Um, but essentially, it's a, a 16 week behaviour change program, uh, healing and behaviour change program. In that four months, um, we do a three day uh, healing camp um, for the men. Again, that healing work is extremely important on um, on the journey that these men are on. They got to do some healing. Um, cause they're carrying stuff. We're carrying trauma. We're carrying anger, anger, resentment. Um, and we've got to find a way to, to heal from that and move yep. forward. Um, and then there's AOD supports while they're in the program. Okay. Um, there's a structured program nine to five, you know, Monday to Friday. They do two programs a day. Um, they live in one of our houses in the Northern suburbs, um, independently. Yeah. Right. yeah. Un- unlike a lot of other okay. re- rehabilitation or, or, um, residential services. We're not a lock-in service. The men are quite free to do what they need, um, and it gives them the opportunity to t- to take that that level, take that step towards that level of independence, looking after themselves, cooking, cleaning, looking after the property, getting themselves up on time, coming into programs. They get themselves to and from programs. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it just gets them ready. 
yeah. some life skills to get ready for that for that outside world. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, like we've got a really solid program, um, and and the men get a lot out of it. Um, it is a challenge, absolutely. It's a challenge, you know. Change isn't easy, especially for men. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, <laughs> I can say that for yeah, yourself. <laughs> especially for men, change is change isn't easy. Yeah. Um, and any man who puts their hand up to come into the program is um, is already like strong and brave. You know what I mean? Like, on the past, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's full on. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, listen, we better uh, better wrap up. Um, if anybody would like to find out more about Dudley Munro, uh, then you can phone them on one eight hundred four three five seven nine nine or go online at dadimunro.com.au. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about Narcotics Anonymous, you can phone them on one three hundred six five two eight two zero, or go online at na.org.au. So that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Dale for sharing his recovery story with us and talking about his work at Daddy Munro. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week uh, when Anne will be talking with Janina, a member of Adult Children of Alcoholics, about the impact of someone else's alcoholism on their life. Uh, coming up next, we've got Balanoir, The Spirit of Wire, hosted by Uncle Telgum Choco Edwards. Uh, join Uncle Choco in the Spirit of Wire on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. So thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.